What's up? What's up? Incredible, loved, and valued people. I am so thankful for who you are, and I am so thankful that today you have joined me on the Have You Heard podcast. My name is Emma Mae McDaniel, and friends, I am so over the moon. I was spending time in prayer over today's episode because I am just so expectant for how God is going to work in and through it. And so this is going to be a great time talking about relying on the Lord, trust the Lord, the power of prayer in the midst of sickness, in the midst of hearing news that you didn't plan on hearing and can rock your world. So I pray that this is just powerful and encouraging in your life wherever you are. Friends, grab your headphones and let's get into the word. Allie Taylor is joining us on the podcast today and it's so fun because it's like, I don't know, I feel like a blast from the past and then such a sweet reunion that we're getting to be on a podcast together today because some of my core memories with Allie are when I was like 10 years old and under. And so this is just really, really special that now we're both like adults and we're on a podcast together. Allie, I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Emma. I'm so blessed to be here. Thank you for asking me to come on. And just like you said, I just pray that Everything I share will really encourage your listeners today. I, I believe that it will. I would love for you to tell us something that made you smile today. Well, uh, one thing that made me smile today, I have a one and a half year old and my three, I have four girls. My three older girls are at camp this week. So I just have my baby, which normally doesn't happen. Our house is normally full of, of little ones. And so this morning it was just me and her and I turned on um, some worship music and she was so funny she's one and a half but she's like we always say she acts like she's of the same age as her sisters but she had her eyes closed she had her hands raised but it was so funny you would think it's sweet because it is sweet that she's like worshiping but it was like she had her eyes closed and she was just doing this as, as she was saying then she would open one eye and look at me and <laughs> go back to worshiping oh. it was the cutest funniest thing i kept trying to get it on video to show her dad but um that was one thing that definitely made me smile this morning because I thought that's probably what she, you know, she, you know, she watches worship videos of people in yeah. her mind. She's like, I need to be shaking my head and closing my eyes. <laughs> it was, it was so <laughs> cute. So that, that made my morning definitely today. Wow. That would have made me smile too. I love that she would open her eyes every now and yes. again and just peep at yes. you and then go back right to it. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> that's so fun. Well, it's really crazy because I'm talking to you now eight months pregnant, but by the time everybody will be hearing our conversation, I will have a three-month-old, which is so crazy. So I have to ask you, if you were to give a piece of advice to a new mama, what would your advice be? Enjoy every minute. You know, you'll get so much different Mm, in but just enjoy every moment. Um, We have a a one-and-a-half-year-old that we have twins that are almost seven, then I have an eight-year-old. And with my first three, they were born so close together. Not that I didn't enjoy yeah. it, but it was just kind of chaos, you know. Whereas with yeah. this one, we, my husband and I just look at each other and like some of the milestones that we were more, you know, worried about when you have your first kid. Are they eating? Are they talking? Are they walking? All those things with her, we're just like, we're just enjoying it. She'll get it. You know, so I would just oh. encourage you to enjoy it. And any pressure you feel from other mamas, you just stay on your path trust the lord you're her mama and you trust every instinct that he's given you 
to do it the way that you feel like you're supposed to do it and just soak it up because it is the best. That's good. That's really good, Allie. And I, I love that you shared how you have four little ones because that kind of just kickstarted what I would love to, I would love for you to share more on. So did you ever think that you were going to have four little girls whenever you imagined motherhood, whenever you dreamt about having a family? Like, I know that your story includes so much leading up to having these four little girls. Like, tell us about did you ever think that this would be your reality? No, no, not at all. I always said I, I was a big planner, like when ever since I was a little girl. Really? I had a plan for my life. So when I was going to get married and how many kids I was going to have, like we all often do. And then God yeah. tells us his plan, which is most of the time different than ours. But um, I always thought I would have two kids. I always thought I'd have a boy and a girl. And I had, thought I would get married and have kids young. Um, but we actually didn't have our first daughter till we were 29. Um, and I had already been married. I guess we've been married nine years at that point. Now, that wasn't our plan. I, I thought I would be a really, even though I still think that's a young mom, but I thought I'd be like a really young yeah. mom like you. And it just didn't happen that way. And so at each one of our girls are a miracle. They have their own miracle story. So when I look at them, I know every mom feels this way about their kids. But when I realized that each one has their own miracle story and so easily could not been placed in our family, uh, just, you know, brings us mm -hmm. to tears, brings us to just a constant state of gratitude and thankfulness that um, there are. So, no, I, I, I did not think I would be a mama for, especially <laughs> to these four amazing girls. It's it's just, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's so true that like so often life does not go how we planned. Like we can plan things, but it doesn't mean that that's how things are going to unfold. And I know your life really took a powerful shift whenever you received a diagnosis from a doctor. And I would love for you to share like that whole, that story of whenever you had your plan of how life was going to go and then you got such news and your plans clearly pivoted. Yes, completely. We, my husband and I laugh because we always think of our life as pre-breast cancer and post-breast cancer. Because that's just kind of, you know, when you have wow. something, a tragedy or a crisis or some defining moment in your life, oftentimes people will think, was that before that person passed away or was it after? Was it before that diagnosis mm -hmm. or after or before that heartbreak or after or whatever it is that someone's going through? And so, yes, it was a huge stake in the ground in our journey. I was 24 and my husband and I had been married for five years at the time. And we actually had just started trying to have a family. Um, I was starting my PhD um, in marriage and family therapy and, and life was going as planned. Oh, I know that. And so wow. um, we said, we're just going to, you know, dive right in, try to have a family. And through that process, I actually found out that I had breast cancer. Um, of course, it rocked our world. Um, our life stopped. I actually, speaking of a plan or having a planner, I was one of those people that had a planner that was highlighted and sticky noted and and it was October 17th of 2011. So it was 11 years ago. Um, and my planner, I still have it to this day. It's like everything after that date is just like blank. And it's just such an example of, of like you said, like planning your life and then something happens and you just have to totally pivot. 
and say, okay, God, this is not the journey I would have chosen, nor would I want or wish on anyone, but here we are. Um, So yes, I was diagnosed when I was 24 with stage three breast cancer um, and went through several months of chemotherapy, had a double mastectomy, um, followed by um, six weeks of radiation, several years of reconstructive surgeries, um, but was deemed cancer-free in April of 2012, which was a huge miracle in and of itself with the type of cancer I had. But um, but yeah, definitely not not the road I would have chosen for myself. And it had many implications yeah. um, from my breast cancer diagnosis as far as infertility and fear and anxiety and all the things that come with the diagnosis like that. But um, it for sure is a time in our life that changed our lives forever. Gracious. I, You know what's interesting is there are certain moments in your life where you just for some reason you remember it vividly you like but it's only a snippet of that memory that you remember and you've never forgotten i remember me my mom and my brother were sitting in logan's roadhouse and i mean where the peanuts are all over the floor and i remember my mom telling us ali has just been diagnosed with breast cancer i which is so crazy because i was probably 9 years old And, but I remember that moment so clearly and like just being so burdened by it, which is crazy that that's a memory that I just have so vividly. And, um, I just think whenever I hear that, I think, wow, like, like you said, the rest of your planner, (laughs) there's like, there's nothing there. It's like, okay, we're just going to take this one day at a time. I would love for you to talk about what your relationship with God was like before that moment. Like how, how close were y'all? What, what did it look like before then? You know, I, I was such a, um, I I was, I had such a blessed life and a blessed relationship with the Lord. I didn't have that testimony of someone who had fallen away. Um, I had a great relationship with the Lord. But what I hadn't gone through yet was something like this. Um, I used Mm -hmm. to always think I lost my dad when I was 10 in a car accident. And oftentimes people think the hardest thing you've been through is oftentimes your testimony. And And that is that is true in a way. A lot of times we have something hard. And so I always thought that was my testimony. That was my hard thing, you know, which is so funny because in life, you know, God says in this world, there will be troubles. And so it's just part of being human. And so I think that I used to think that was going to be my hard thing. Um, But I had a wonderful relationship with the Lord. But when I was diagnosed, it became a desperation for the Lord. You know, we had, I, I, I loved, I loved the Lord. I served him. I was faithful to him. Um, but now was just this desperate need of searching his word on healing, on wholeness, on just needing him to carry me, you know, in times of fear and doubt and anxiety. And I hadn't struggled with that, you know, and I mentioned I am a family therapist and I had sat with people in therapy who have gone through depression, anxiety, sickness, all those things. But I never personally walked through it. And I remember wanting to like go back and like hug all these people (laughs) that I used to counsel that now the Lord had given me a shared experience. And so I feel like not only as a Christian, but as a wife, as a friend, as a therapist, I now understood so much of what I didn't understand. And that and and really helped me understand how desperate 
we should be for the Lord, not just in times of, of trial and struggle, because our relationship became so sweet once I became desperate. You know, I hated that I had to get to that place, and I didn't even realize I wasn't desperate for the Lord, you know. Um, yeah. But once you experience that intimacy and that just desire and need for Him, um, it is something that is unexplainable, and only those who have gone through something like that or have been that desperate can fully understand the, um, I guess, the joy and contentment that comes when you are just fully like, I can't do this without you. Like, I, everything is out of my control right now. You are my only hope. You are my only anchor in this crazy storm that I have no clue what what it's going to turn out to be. Yeah, I I feel like a common question people ask is, why does the Lord allow such devastating things to take place if he is a loving God, if he claims that he cares for us, if he is good. And one, like you pointed out earlier, it's a guarantee that in this world we will have trouble. Right. In Ephesians 2, we we read that this world is ruled by the enemy, by the ruler of the air. And those who aren't walking in relationship with Christ, they are living in such a way that they are obedient to the ruler of the air, to the enemy. And we live in a broken world. But I also think in God's sovereignty and in his kindness, he also allows those things to happen in our lives because he longs for intimacy with us. And he so he so sweetly desires for us to be desperate for him. And scripture says that he's jealous for us. And, um, I can say this now because like I said, this will be out once our little girl is here, but her name is Margot, And one of the meanings of her name is Pearl. And so one of the things that I have been praying over her is whenever you think about a pearl and how it's formed, it's formed by tons of pressure, like immense pressure and it's absolutely gorgeous after it goes through that pressure and so I've just been praying that she would consider it pure joy when she faces trials of many kinds not if but when she goes through suffering and troubles in this world she would just rejoice in it because she knows that through the testing of her faith she may be mature, pure as gold. She may experience his hope that doesn't put her to shame. And I just hear that in you as you're sharing, like, yes, this is not what I planned for. This is not something I would have gone and picked, but the outcome of desperation and intimacy with my God is something I wouldn't trade for the world, which is just so, it's so precious. Yeah, I agree. And you you can't get there without that pressing and without those trials, you know, because sometimes I wonder, yeah, can I, would I experience that? And I believe, yes, I guess if I would have made the choice to be desperate, but there is a part, like you said, when we, when we ask those questions, why does God allow these things to happen? It was, mm -hmm. it was a result of it, you know, and, and I used to, I used to would say, I could never say I was thankful for, th for cancer, you know, it's like, I could never say that. And I'm at a place in my life where I can look back and say, I, I was, you know, it's taken a long time because it was something that's so awful and it's so terrible for anyone to walk through. But when you see, when you can kind of remove yourself as God yeah. it does way better than us humans, that he sees the big <laughs> picture, you know, and he knew, he knew for me to be the mom that I am, the wife that I am, um, the friend that I am, the follower that I am, and not that I'm by any means perfect, I'm so long to go, so such a ways to go. But he knew that it would um, 
make me genuine. There's all those things that make me genuine, make yeah. me strong in my faith, make me um, to where when trials came that I would stand firm. And so for that, I'm thankful. Which I love that you say that because I have noticed that in your intentionality to bring people into your story and keep people updated on how God is working and what y'all are praying for, which I'll get to that later too. I've noticed such an intentionality to be grateful. And I I would love for you to go into this a little bit more. Like, how are you grateful whenever you're walking through things that just feel like nothing but a heavy weight? Like, what does just walking through the mundane, like all of the hospital visits on the days where you were caring for your girls, on the days where you didn't yet have your girls and didn't think you would get to have your girls, on the tough days where you're waking up with your husband and just still aware that, no, that wasn't a dream, like this is our reality. What did your day-to-day gratitude look like and how did you stay grateful? Well, it's a... It's a choice, you know, it's a choice and it's a, um, it's just a way of life that I've just chosen to embrace, you know, um, I think after I went through cancer, I've always been a joyful person. I always have chosen joy. My my mother's that way. My family is that way. So I've been raised by people who believed in that. But also Mm -hmm. I think after my breast cancer diagnosis and even a few years after, my husband and I just felt so grateful to be alive. And I know that sounds cheesy, wow. but when, when you go through an illness where you, you don't know if you're going to live and now you're alive, how can you not be grateful? You know. And so even days that yes. even now are different things we go through, my husband and I will always say our perspective is just so different than that of our friends, even close friends. And that doesn't mean that they don't have a good perspective. They just haven't walked what we walked. And I pray they don't. I don't want anyone to go through this. But little things, we just let be little things. You know, I think sometimes when you see people get upset about something, you know, and my husband and I are like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> Not that we don't have our dreams That's that we'll so get awesome. frustrated or upset. But right. we just realize like, you know, we just realize what matters. Like I have breath in my lungs right now. And of course, my current reality, my husband who adores me we love the lord and we have four beautiful children like how could i not be grateful but it is a choice because you're right i mean there are days that you wake up and you're tired and you don't feel good and um and right now i'm I'm on an oral chemo pill and that can make me feel nauseous and then about to start an infusion in august that i'm going to start and i'm sure there's side effects from that but yeah at the end of the day like i'm here and i'm gonna be happy like i'm not gonna waste my days being you know, anything but that. And so I think it's a choice. Um, and and it's a, a choice that I make even through prayer, you know, just God help me be joyful, help me see the good sides of things when there's so many so much negative around me. I feel like it's just the only way to get through hard times. I know that sounds very simple and easy, but but I really do believe that. And even in therapy with people that I counsel that, you know, might find themselves in a slump or in depression or whatever, you know, just thinking of things to be grateful for doing those things that um, help you realize the small piece you are in the big puzzle <laughs> and, and and getting yeah. your uh, perspective or your eyes off of yourself, but onto others is just so huge in just your outlook mm-hmm. and feeling and walking through hard times. That's so huge. And I love that you started off talking about joy 
in response to a question about gratitude because they so go hand in hand. Like I've read, I've read different articles about how joy and gratitude are kind of just this like cyclical couple. Like if they fuel each other and it's just really, really beautiful how like they go, they go together. And that's one of the reasons I love starting this podcast off with what made you smile today. Cause I hope it not only just brings joy to us as we get to talk and, and to those who listen, but I also pray that it starts this just intentionality among those who listen of, I'm going to take a step back and acknowledge not has something made me smile today, but what? And because there always is, whether or not we acknowledge it, there's always a reason to smile. There's always something to be grateful for. And it does sometimes just take intentionality to pause and give acknowledgement to what that is. And I truly believe that with you, that the more we're intentional to be grateful for the things that we actually had to be grateful for, we will see a spike in joy because they go hand in hand. And you talked about prayer too, which I have also seen that in you throughout your journey is not only your intentionality to pray, but also your invitation to other people asking them for prayer. And I feel like that in and of itself has communicated you believe in the power of prayer. How have you seen your prayer life grow? And also, how have you seen your trust in God grow as you have prayed and yet still seen sickness continue? Maybe at a length you prayed it wouldn't go that long. Yeah. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. No, I, um, I, prayer for me has always been a very private thing. And I'm very, I'm, it's funny, I'm on a podcast and I've written a book and We've been on TV and all these things that I'm a very private person by nature. But I um That is funny how that happens. Yes, yes, it is. Well, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, my husband um started a blog just to like update people. It was like before Instagram and before anything like that. And so it was that was how he would just update people so when I came in town they wouldn't have to ask me like a million questions kind of thing. And um, I I used to just be very private about my prayer life, about either praying for others. And then all of a sudden, we had this huge army with us that was wanting to pray. And um, one of my friends, her her motto when I was going through uh, cancer, her motto was prayers over privacy is what she said. She said, Allie, you've got to do prayers over privacy. If you can't keep this private where you don't allow people to join you in prayer, or you pray for others. And wow. I was, I know that sounds very elementary and like, of course you want people to pray. But for me, it was a struggle. It was just always something private. So it really pushed yeah. me out of my comfort zone and not only let people know what I needed prayer for. But like I talked about earlier, sometimes when you're going through something really hard, like, like we have for lots of years of our lives, you can become so focused on yourself. And if you do that, you can become really jealous of others. You can become really bitter towards others who have perfect lives and no sickness and no problems and which I know all that is not necessarily real but that's what your mind thinks but whenever you go to praying for others or seeing seeking out other people who are going through something harder than what you're going through it immediately shifts the focus off of yourself onto others onto God and then peace follows right whenever we (laughs) let go of focusing on all the wrong and bad things that peace is just a result of that and so 
my prayer life um, has been a journey, um, especially like you said, when you def- don't necessarily see the thing answered that you're praying for, but trusting that it's the Lord's will. You know, and what I always tell my husband when we pray, I always say, you know, I pray the Lord's will, but I also pray my desires. You know, I pray my desires match up with his will. <laughs> but if they don't, and if something happens different than what I intended, I know that it's his will. I can trust that because I've done my part. You know, I've done my part of praying. I've done my part yeah. joining where two or more are gathered. You know, all the scriptures that we've we've stood on for years and years. And he's always been faithful, even if it's not what I asked for. <laughs> um, in, in time, it makes sense, you know. And so we trust his, trust in his faithfulness in our prayer life and praying for others and being public about um, about praying and about my prayer needs, which is so hard for me even to this day, which is so crazy. But um, even when I've seen the power of perhaps, and I've seen the, the power of prayer in number too, you know, when, when people join together. Yeah. Um, and so prayer prayer is so important and, and not only just to commune, commune with God, but just to build my trust with the Lord and to spend time with Him. And it really is true. The more I pray, the more peace I feel. I love so much that you went into that because I can guarantee that there are people listening who may have a difficulty to pray with confidence because they may not have seen what they were desiring so strongly for come to be, um, or may very deeply resonate with exactly what your struggle has been of just having a hard time letting people in on what to pray for and just wanting to keep it very private. And so I just appreciate you sharing that, that one, those who are listening, you're not alone. And two, what an incredible place to trust God. Like I was reading in Psalm 116 the other day and the psalmist said, God, I love you because you listen to my voice. And because you've been down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. And there is so much peace that comes from trusting that God, you hear me, you care about me. And in Psalm 37, it says, trust in the Lord and he will act may not act exactly how you thought he would, but he will act in such a way that is actually the greatest, the best than what you could have ever, ever dreamt or planned. And so I just, I appreciate you going into that so much. And I also, so I feel like this is really relatable. A little bit earlier, you were talking about the reality of fear and anxiety that comes with hearing news that can rock your world. And I know for me personally, that can be stirred up maybe not from the news itself that I think definitely would have a major impact, but I think that would spiral into a lot of what ifs. I think we can be really good at playing the what if game in our head and we play through, okay, I just heard this and it could mean that it could mean this. It could mean that over there. And, and then it's like, we're not even able to be present and deal with what we've just heard because we're five years down the road of what our life could look like. And it just makes me think of that verse that says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Today has enough trouble of its own. Just be, be here with me today. Um, so what would you say to the person who has just, whether it is in sickness or it just be something else regarding relationally or whatever, um, that, 
they not only are feeling really discouraged from the news itself, but they're spiraling in fear and anxiety because of what ifs. Yeah, I think I would just piggyback on what you said, Emma, about um, one day at a time. You know, sometimes I'll even say one breath at a time. You know, sometimes a day feels too overwhelming. You know, take it one breath at a time. Take it one step at a time. One day at a time. That's been my husband and I's life verse with my recent diagnosis. Um, Just one day at a time. Because even with this chemo pill I'm taking now with our future, there's so much that is unknown um, and even though I know it's known, I know it's known by God, but as far as in, in the medical world, I don't know what yeah. all the next steps are for me, but we're just taking it one day at a time. I, I'm here today. We are going to make the most out of today. I'm going to um, be so thankful for every bit of every day. Um, so I would say, I, th- I think my advice would be one day at a time. And then also, if there's something that's causing somebody fear or anxiety or whatever a lot of times we can remove that thing from our life we may not be able to remove it totally but there's something like whether it's the news or something like that like i'm when you said that my friends always laugh at me because um and actually i emma and i know each other through her aunt and so and katie's her her aunt will keep me updated on the news and political things and i have my other group of friends that do that too i never watch the news because it does i don't like it does cause me anxiety and fear. And so I just, I don't watch it. Now, it's mm-hmm. something I need to know. I told my mom to call and tell me, Allie, you need to make sure to do this. But to <laughs> me, all it did was create anxiety and fear. And then everybody's talking about all the wrong things in the world, you know. And I just don't, I just don't like to live like that. And so whether it's the news or if there's a friendship that you realize that has to be broken off or that there needs to be a conversation that needs to be had or whatever it is that's causing someone that, fear or anxiety a lot of times we'll leave those things in our life when they actually could be removed um you know in a godly way yeah um and so i think i would would suggest that someone maybe look and see what the source of that fear or anxiety is and see if they can remove it and if they can't um just one day at a time and focus on on those things that bring them joy and peace um Focus your energy and time and attention on those things and away from the the things that cause them that other, those other emotions that are unpleasant. That's really encouraging and so true. I think that sometimes we can get, so sometimes I have had moments where I'm worrying about something and I'm talking it through and Josh will make a comment where he says, Emma, you're you're comfortable with this worry. And I will get frustrated with him because I'll tell him, no, this is the most uncomfortable feeling ever. And he's like, well, you need to let it go then. You're sitting with it as though you're comfortable with it and you're not actually taking steps forward to let it go. And I love that you said that because although it's the least comfortable thing in the world, we do get so friendly with our fears and our worries in such a way that we think it's just a part of us. We think it's just a part of our life and this is just how it is. And we don't actually realize that, wait, I can do something about this. And there, and it can be like just things in my every day that I can intentionally add or intentionally take away that can actually relieve me and I don't have to have this as a norm. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of times people, they don't want to admit it, but you start to like that you have this fear or anxiety, like it's something to talk about, it's something to think about, it's something to worry about. And some people don't want to worry, 
but it's become such a habit. They don't know how to not, you know? And so I think it's, it's realizing like, I don't have to be this way. I don't have to feel this. And there is a way to release it that I ultimately believe is letting go and um, letting the Lord carry whatever that burden is that you have. But a lot of times I think, I think it's hard for people to realize like, I may actually like this fear. Like, you know, if you're deep down honest with yourself, because it, it gives me an identity in a way, or I could connect with this friend who has this same fear whenever it's like, no, you can, you can be released from that. I mean, it takes work and effort and surrender, but it can happen. That's so true. And you touched on identity. I would love for you to talk about the reality of one of the things that has come with cancer. And that is like your, your physical body goes through a lot, like whether it could be your hair and your weight and your strength, your ability to just go about your day. Did that impact your confidence at all? Or your, did you wake up some mornings and not feel pretty? Was that ever a struggle? Yes. Yes. It, it, well, it is a struggle. Thanks for being honest. Oh, gosh. Yes. No. Wow. That's so real. Yeah. No, it's, it's so, yeah, it's so real. I mean, and that's, and that's where I am right now, even in my, in my journey, but I'm much better this time um, with this new diagnosis because I've been through it before. And so I kind of knew what to expect. Whereas last time I was yeah. newly married, even though I knew my husband, we had been we had been together. I guess we'd been together eight years, but we had been married five. And so when I knew I was going to lose my hair and I was going to have a surgery, like mastectomy, where they would remove my breasts. I mean, all these things that you would never want to go through for yourself, and you can't even imagine your husband walking through this with you. And um, I mean, God has been so good to me, not only with the man that I chose and that He gave me because He finds me beautiful no matter what. But also just in my perspective, again, of just realizing like our bodies are temporary, you know, and and just giving me that perspective too. What am I putting my money towards? What am I putting my um, identity in? You know, all those things that I used to care about. Now I just don't care about. I I still like to look cute. I still like to, I'm ready for my hair to grow back. I can fix my hair, you know, all those things. But the um, time and energy and money that I used to spend on it, I just don't anymore. Cause you just realize it doesn't matter. You know, it just really doesn't matter. But I remember when I, right before I had my mastectomy, talking with a doctor and my husband was in there and she was talking about all the things that we would do after surgery. And I remember walking out into the doctor's office and just talking with my husband and saying, Josh, and it was really hard conversation. Cause I don't think we'd really had it. Even though I knew he would still love me and find me attractive and all those things. I just said, will you still find me? pretty or attractive or something like that and he started he started to cry which he's a he's a crier he's the crier out of the two of us and he just said Allie he said every time I look at you he said we have a physical reminder of what Satan tried to do and how God healed you what Satan intended for harm God intended for good and every time you look in the mirror every time I look at you it is blasted in front of our faces of what Satan tried to do and how God healed you. And so he went into a whole thing of how he would find you so much more beautiful. And, and it's true. It's it's brought us so much closer um, just because, mm-hmm. yes, the, all the things that initially attracted us to each other still do. He still finds me attractive. I still find him attractive. But it's just different. Yeah. 
it's just different, you know, to, to have someone that you just love their heart and soul. And I do know that if I, there's no, I mean, I've woken up some mornings and I've had like two hairs on my head and I'll wake up and I'm like, I will joke. And I'm like, I know you're just so excited to come home to me. And I just look so beautiful and refreshed. And, and he, oh. you know, his response is always you beautiful, you do. And, and I really do believe he sees me that way. So I'm thankful for that. But yes, to be real, I mean, yes, there's been so many days that I've just looked in the mirror and just been like, oh, you know, but it's just that reminder of, okay, Lord, like, what what is my purpose? It's it's not it's not mm-hmm. to like what I see in the mirror. Like that is not my purpose, which sounds so like uh just it sounds so cliche to say, but it's just it's true as women, we do we do put a lot of time and effort in I, our identity into how we look. And this has just taught me that is the least of my concern. I've worn a hat probably for the last nine months and my baby the other day she saw a hat on the floor and she was handing it to me i thought i thought her memories of me are always going to be long <laughs> i don't want to always be what i thought i was but it's you know <laughs> in the scheme of things it's a small deal in the big scheme of things yeah that is so beautiful Allie. and it is such i feel like the way josh responded to you is such a powerful reflection of how the lord would respond how the lord does respond every day of, no, I love you. And when I see you, I see an image bearer of me and I see a testament of my glory and I see my child whom I love. And it's so sweet. My small group, we're going through first Peter right now, me and Josh are in a small group of like couples and we're going through first Peter. And this morning we were reading through a little passage of it for, um, when we all get together tonight and the passage that we were reading, which is so cool. Cause I wasn't even planning on talking about this in particular with you, but we were reading about how Peter is talking to the women and he says, don't let your beauty come from outward adornment of fancy hair, gold, fine gold jewelry, and all of these elaborate things that we can do all the, like they're very fun things of being a girl and they're not bad. They're not wrong. They're so much fun. And I think that there's a beautiful reason of why we enjoy them. It's a part of just the fun of being a girl. But he then goes on to say, but that's not like the, that's not where your beauty is found. It should be found from that, from within of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. And so I just, I love that you say that because it just makes me think of like, I'm going to focus on what really matters. Like, I'm not going to be hard on myself that those things matter to me and I think about them and I do care about them. But thank you, God, for reminding me of what matters most and that as I'm walking through this difficult road that I didn't have in my planner and definitely rocked my world, it has strengthened that gentle and quiet spirit from within and has deepened a beauty in me that is so precious to you, God. And pointing back to how Josh responded, like, you're so beautiful. And when I see you, I just see God's goodness. That's just such a testament. And I hope that all of you girls listening can just be so encouraged in that, that one, you're so beautiful because God made you, but two, remember the beauty that matters so much and is eternal. It's the eternal kind of beauty. That's that's what you're going to be really thankful you invested in. Bye. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Allie, I just want to say I 
I feel so much peace just getting to talk with you. This was such a conversation of power and also of ease to my soul. And I just want to thank you for your honesty. I I was going to ask you, like, what encouragement would you give to those who have heard news that rocked your world? But I feel like you answered that in a, the entirety of our conversation, the power of gratitude and the power of prayer and the beauty of being just desperate for God, the importance of community and honesty. And I just want to thank you so much for your willingness as you are naturally a private person to come and be public with how the Lord has grown you and what he's walked hand in hand with you through, because I really believe that it's going to bless a lot of people. And I know that it's blessed me. So thank you. Oh, no. Thank you so much, Emma, for having me. It's been a blessing to be able to share. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. You guys who are listening, I love you so dearly and Allie loves you so dearly and God loves you immensely. I read the other day that God's love for you is powerful. It is not a timid kind of love that can come in and go out as it pleases. It is powerful and steady and here to stay for you. So I hope that you can just rest in that today. And my prayer for you today as I'm praying for myself is that you would only grow more desperate for God. You are awesome. And I hope you'll have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next week. Bye guys.